Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Daniel Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC back to Vegas this week after the exciting last week in Jacksonville, the pay-per-view that everybody loved. We're, of course, going to be breaking down some of that action from the pay-per-view, so stay tuned after my first interview for today, because we're going to get to that. We're also going to get to our breakdown of this upcoming weekend, UFC Vegas 25, Yuri Prohoshka versus Dominic Reyes. We'll be breaking down fights off of that card, giving you an underdog, giving you a parlay as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, our usual breakdown of the fight. And in addition to talking about this week and last week, I'm also interviewing two of the fighters off this week's card. First, I'll be talking to Dustin Jacoby as he gets ready for a short-notice fight against Ian Kudalaba. And, of course, I will be talking at the end of the show with Giga Chikadze, who is talking about his fight with Cub Swanson, where he fits in the rankings, and where he hopes this one catapults him. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to remind you that this show is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports bettors, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Head on over to betterthan.vegas, and from there you can browse, search, and follow handicappers, sports personalities, and so many more people as they give you your thoughts on upcoming sports contests. Look, you listen to these people, you watch them, you listen to their podcasts, all kinds of places. You see them on Twitter. Now you get to hear their picks right from their mouths. And in every sport imaginable, even MMA, that's right, you can catch me and Shockwave Dave over on the Top Turtle MMA channel. But first, you got to head on over to betterthan.vegas. Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Dustin Jacoby, who fights Ian Kudalaba at UFC Reyes versus Prohashka on May 1st. So, Dustin, I want to start here. At the time of recording this, it's been about 24 hours since the public became aware that this fight was even happening, that you were filling in to fight Ian Kudalaba. Describe a little bit about what this last day, or if, if you've known longer, what these last couple of days has been like for you. Yeah, man, I actually found out Sunday. Um, I caught wind about the fight, and then... Uh, on Monday, it was official. So, um, you know, it's just a, in, in another day in the office, as I like to say, man, I, I'm a veteran of the sport now. I've taken uh, several short notice fights before in my career. I've done very well. Um, and, yeah, man, I feel great about the matchup. I'm excited to meet uh, Kudalaba in the middle and, and may the best man win. And, and I'm interested, too, when you heard about the fight falling out and the possibility, did your manager come to you with the possibility about, like, you know, this is a fight we'd like to see you take? Or is that one that you saw falling apart and you're like, yeah, that, that's something I want in on? No, that, that's something I had no idea. That was something my management team called me and uh, they asked me if, you know, what do you think? I was like, yeah, man, I, I'm down. And, and uh, yeah, they, 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 they're, 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 they're great. Iridium Sports Agency, they're awesome. I'm very thankful for those guys. And um, I don't know if they, if they saw it and, and then they threw my name in or if – you know, it backed out, and then, you know, they hit up my manager. It's like, hey, you know, would Jacoby be ready? I don't know how that went down, but either way, man, I got I got presented the opportunity, and, and uh, I jumped on it right away. Well, and I mean, you, you included that a little bit in there, too, right? Like, would Jacoby be ready? You know, I know you're obviously, like you said, a guy who's taken a bunch of short-notice fights in your life. 
you know, you, you train out of Factory X, you, you, uh, one of the gyms that keeps people in the best shape year round. How, how ready were you for this fight? Did you feel like you were, you know, already kind of in a camp or did you feel like, you know, there was some work to do in this last, you know, it's going to be probably two weeks from you getting the notice? Yeah, you know, on, honestly, man, I would have liked a couple more weeks to prepare just because, you know, that's how I am. Of, of course, anytime uh, you get presented with an opportunity, you always want to be as well prepared as possible. And the longer you have, the better odds you have at winning. But uh, in this case, man, I was already training hard. We had Anthony Smith, a teammate of mine that's fighting this weekend. Uh, I've been grinding with him the past month pretty hard. So, um, yeah, man, I, like I said, I, this is what we do. I, I, this is my job. You know, I, tra- I train full time every day. So, you know, when I was presented with the opportunity, it was uh, – and you know what else made it a little bit easier is, is the UFC gave me a new contract. So I was very happy about that, and it, it was one that I, I couldn't turn down. And, and uh, I think that they think pretty highly of me right now. So I want to go out there and show them that they made the right choice. Absolutely. And, and I won't ask you for the financial details of that side of it, but how long of a contract are we talking here? You know what? I think it is a four fight contract. It's funny because I, uh, I, my wife actually asked me. I can't remember if it was my wife or if I had asked my wife, but uh, or somebody else has asked me. I, I just looked at the the financial part of it and I was like, where do I sign? So, <laughs> uh, but but I, I think it's a four or five fight contract. I'm not sure, but um, either way, man, I plan on going out there and, and winning the next two three fights and just getting another one. So keep keep up in the contracts. Absolutely. Now, you know, you mentioned you're helping Anthony Smith get ready for the fight by, against Jimmy Crute. By the time this probably hits the air, that fight will have probably happened. But I'm interested, too, because in getting him ready for Jimmy Crute, a guy who does like to wrestle a little bit, does like to make the fight a little bit more physical and does a little bit less striking. Did, did you feel like that helped set you up for a fight with Ian Kudalaba, who who has, I, I wouldn't say a, a, an extremely similar style in that he, he maybe does have the sub game of Jimmy Crute, but... He, he's got sort of that grinder style that's something I'm guessing you want to stay away from in this fight. Yeah, you know what, though? I, I feel very comfortable going with him anywhere. I feel like he's uh, he is a very emotional guy. He fights with a lot of emotion, and, you know, he throws big bombs. And when you see him fight Roundtree, like, you know, he, he, he started throwing early on, but then he went down, he got that hard body kick, and then that's when he started going in for the takedown. And, you know, I think he, he is the Hulk. I think he's got the first three minutes of the fight are his best in the fight. And, um, you know, that's another thing, man, the guys I'm training with Anthony, but we got another guy, Cody Brundage, who's, who's a hell of an athlete and a very strong, powerful wrestler. And he fights at 205, 85. I think, uh, you know, the, he, he's better at 185. and I've been training with him for, you know, a solid year now. And I feel like my, my takedown defense is so on point and, and my ground game working with Anthony has just gotten so much better um, obviously when I go into a fight, man, people ask me how I'm going to win. I always think by knockout. I'm a, I'm a striker by heart. I love to stand and, and exchange with, with my opponents. So of course I'm never really looking to take it to the ground, but man, I feel like if he tries coming in and taking me down, I'm going to defend the first couple of takedowns and he's going to be shot, man. He's going to blow his wad. So if that's what he wants to do, more power to him, man. Good luck trying to get me down. If he does, I'm going to be scrambling right back up, man. I feel like that's a, a part of my game that, um, ha- has really, has really excelled here in the past year or two and, and it continues to get better. And, and I feel very comfortable. So, um, you know, I, I'm excited anywhere. I, I'm, I'm comfortable anywhere, but, you know, obviously I like to keep it standing. And I think that, uh, I think this fight will be on the feet until somebody goes down. 
I love hearing that. Now, I'm curious, too, because you mentioned a little bit of his Hulk personality already in, in his fighting style, right? He gets in in people's face. He's, he's, he sort of mm-hmm. blows his wad early. But also, he's kind of got a tendency to have done a whole lot of stuff before the fight. And even during fight announcements, he's, you know, gotten up in people's faces. He paints himself green. He's <laughs> screaming in people's faces at, at weigh-ins. Like, have you thought at all about that? Like, that, it's kind of a weird dynamic going into fight week. And, and one, I feel like you probably haven't faced too much. Well, like I said, man, he, he he's a very emotional guy. He fights with a lot of emotion. I mean, at the weigh-ins. Uh, he uses a lot of emotion. And to me, dude, I'm, I'm such a veteran. You know, I, I've had, uh, you know, 39 pro fights between MMA and kickboxing. And, you know, that stuff doesn't get to me. And I'm smart enough to know that yeah, that's a lot of energy that he's uh, that he's using that, that could be saved for the fight. So it's funny. I've had a lot of my friends come up. They're like, dude, you got you got to be ready for weigh-ins, man. This guy goes crazy. <laughs> I'm like, dude, let him go crazy. I'm going to sit there and just give him that shit-eating grin of mine and just right back to him and, I'm not going to play that game, dude. Nothing gets to me. The only time I'll be ready to get in his face is on fight day when it matters. So, uh, like I said, man, I'm excited. Um, and, and I'm a fun, I'm a fan of this guy. I, I was just uh, telling another guy that, you know, I've been watching him fight the past couple of years. And, and every time I watch him fight, I'm like, man, I could see myself fighting this guy. And I put myself in the situation. It's almost like I manifested this into existence. And here we are. I'm not kidding, man. I've watched so many of his fights just by chance, not even – you know, being a big fan or anything, I just, he, he's a guy that sticks out to people. Um, so, so every time he fights, he sticks out to me and I've just pictured fighting him. And here we are, man. I'm super excited for this opportunity. And, and, uh, you know, he, he's lost a couple in a row now. So I know I'm going to be seeing the best guy and, and he's been on this card. So he's been training hard for it. You know, I, I'm filling in here, uh, last minute. So, you know, it's going to be interesting, man, to see where, you know, what, what the odds are, who, who they think is going to win. But, dude, I'm, I'm very comfortable. I'm very confident. You know, I'm riding a, a very a big wave right now. I'm 4-0 in my last four MMA fights. I'm 13-2 and in my last 15 fights overall between kickboxing and MMA. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting good, man, I, and, and I'm a veteran. A lot of people are telling me that this is a – or a lot of people on, online anyway are saying it's a step up in competition for me. And I just laugh at that, dude. I think it's a step up in competition for him, to be honest. Yeah, he's had nine UFC fights, but, you know, I, I don't have to say too much. Go check my resume. Look who I fought. And um, like I said, I think it's a step up in competition for him, to be honest. For sure, for sure. And now I'm, I'm curious, too, because you mentioned the winning streak. Four fights in a row in MMA, including one on Contender Series, two in the UFC. So you're really on like a really nice three-fight UFC win streak, if you want to call it that. Yep. You said you predict all of your fights as KO. So let's say you go into this fight, you knock out Ian Kudalaba. Where does that put Dustin Jacoby in the 205 picture? Are you envisioning a top 15 opponent after this? Are you are you envisioning you're a top 15 guy after this? Where, where do you see yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think so. I go in there and finish Kutalaba, which I fully plan on doing. And um, I, I certainly believe that I'll be right there in the top 15. And you know, I'll let it be known after the fight, too. You know, give, give me a guy just outside the top 10, you know, even if it's top 20, whatever it is. But top 15 is what I'm after. And, you know, I, I've been saying this, man, this light heavyweight division is wide open, especially with John Jones gone. And, you know, much respect to the champion. Um, I honestly think Glover Texera is going to beat him and be the new champ. But, dude, there's no doubt in my mind, I feel like I could beat Jan right now. And uh, that's not that's not me just – just talking, man. You're talking about a guy that that's been in there, that's very experienced, that's uh, fought the best stand-up strikers in the world, and um, I, I'm extremely confident right now, man. I go in there and finish this guy, and yeah, I want a top 15 guy. 
Love that mentality. Now, I'm curious because let's just run things back a little bit because we're talking right now about you being a top 15 guy here in May in 2021. August of 2020, you're fighting on the contender series. You're not even in the UFC. <laughs> we're, we're talking right. about just, we're talking about nine months, dude. Like nine months ago, you were not in the UFC. And now we're talking about you being on a short list of contenders, on a short list of guys who are not that far away from the title. <laughs> what has this For nine sure. months been like to you, man? Oh, it's just been, it's been, uh, it's, really, it's just kind of been what the past 10 years have been, man. I, I turned pro in uh, November 2010 by October of 2011. Just nine months later, I was in the UFC. And uh, I think that happened a little bit too quick. You know, I, I was young. There's just so many, so much experience that I hadn't got yet. And, you know, I lost two quick fights and I was out. But then, you know, I got right back after it. I, I gave a lot of guys. I fought several guys outside of the UFC who later went on to be in the UFC, and I was their first loss. I gave them their first loss, and they still went on to the UFC. And, uh, you know, that's when I continued. Uh, I got a random call for glory kickboxing, which ended up being 20, 20 professional fights of glory kickboxing. All of my professional kickboxing fights are with glory. And uh, I just kept going, man. And then uh, 2018, it slowed down a little bit. But 2019, I was trying to get back in there and, uh, you know, I'd signed with Iridium Sports Agency, and I was telling them, man, I'm ready for the UFC. Like, I've been through this. I've been walking this path. And and my confidence has been at an all-time high, man. I know I belong. Like I said, I've been doing this for uh, my career the past decade. So um, it is awesome to see how, how far I've come in just a year. But that's all that's all stuff that I knew. You know, I told, I'd be watching, again, I wasn't even in the UFC, and I was watching Cute the Lava fight, and I was telling people I could beat that guy. I know I could beat that guy. I know I know I'm deserving to be standing toe to toe with him. And here we are, man. It's it's super cool. And uh, I would just tell people, man, to, to just short term memory and bulletproof confidence. You just got to keep going, pick yourself up, and, and just keep going, man. And and you never know what can happen. But I I knew. I'm telling you right now, Dan. I knew I would be in this position right now. And I told my wife. I told everybody. And and here we are. So. Uh, super excited. And with that being said, you know, where my confidence comes from is from the competition I face. You know, this my last fight, Max Grishin, is one of, if not the biggest light heavyweight on the roster. You know, that guy was like 240 pounds when we fought. And I don't, and now he's fighting OSP, who's ranked like number 13 in June. And there's no doubt in my mind that he beats OSP. There's not many guys in the light heavyweight division that I think are better than that guy. And I just fought him, you know, for 15 minutes and got, and got a unanimous decision victory. So, you know, that, that's where my confidence comes from. And I'm excited to go out there and uh, to fight Kutalaba next. Yeah, and you sort of tipped your hand already for my last question because I like to end it with yes, asking for a prediction. You said you always predict knockout. You believe in the hands. You believe in your ability to get the guy out of there. So I'm going to ask you to go a step further. How do you envision knocking out Ian Kutalaba? Honestly, I think I think it's with a knee or with a teep, with a front front kick to the face, or or with some type of knee. I think uh, I think I, you know he's real wide, and I think that I, I my striking's real clean and real crisp and straight down the middle. I think if I keep it straight, and and the first time he tries to come in for a little shot, I, I think I catch him with a knee, man. I've been seeing it here at practice. Uh, I've been I've been catch. I just it's just reaction, man. It's reaction and timing, and I feel like I'm very well timed and. And, uh, and then I go in there and, you know, I, I'm prepared. Now it's just time to execute. So if I go out there and execute the same way that we've been training, I, I think I catch him with the knee, honestly. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Dustin Jacoby, he fights <laughs> Eon Kudalaba at UFC Reyes versus Prohashka on May 1st. Dustin, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. I had a good time and look forward to maybe catching up after the big victory. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Dustin Jacoby. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined now by Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I'm going to start here with a hot take from UFC Vegas, or a hot question, rather. I want your hot take. Is Kamara Usman the greatest welterweight of all time? Wow, Gumby, I can't believe we're going there. Um, Okay, I'll play this game. No. He's not the GOAT yet. GSP is the forever GOAT at 170. But Usman has entered into the conversation probably tied maybe with Matt Hughes for two. But this is certainly more legitimate to ask than, you know, the Tyron Woodley era. If you remember, Joe Rogan even started teasing like, ah, is one thing the greatest? But that's what Joe Rogan does. I mean, this is for real. And I want Usman to stay at 170, no super fights. And I don't think him and Idesanya are boys, so I don't think he'd go up there. I don't think he could stand to cut down to 155. But, you know, there is, like, the possibility maybe, like, a Connor or someone crazy like that would come up to 170. But still, that's for the belt. I want to see him stay at 170 and challenge GSP's record for title defenses of nine. He is at four right now. Now, you asked the question, Gumby, so I'll ask it back to you. Do you think he's at GOAT status at this point? I don't either. I think he's close. And here's what I will say, you know, because a lot of people were like, oh, he beat Masvidal again. Like, how could that make him better than beating Masvidal in the first time? And obviously, you know, it was more emphatic this time. But it's, again, he beat a guy who was a negative 400 favorite over. But I'll say this. The part that makes me start to think about it is when you watch GSP all those years ago and he was on that incredible run where the UFC tried to sell us on a different contender every time. They tried to tell you that Tiago Alves was the one or Dan Hardy was the one or this guy was the one or that guy was the one. You bought it every time, first of all, because they did a great job selling it. But then GSP would step in with a new tool that would make you shit your pants. Right? Like, you'd be like, what? He does this now? What? He does this now? It wasn't, you know, people play him off as this one-trick pony. He he went into that Dan Hardy fight, and he didn't just wrestle fuck Dan Hardy like everybody thought he was going to. He went in with crazy armbar attacks in, like, all kinds of fun jujitsu. You know, you think about the fight where he was supposed to fight uh, Josh Koscheck, and he was just going to take down Koscheck. It was going to be this fun wrestling match. And he came in, and he absolutely jabbed Josh Koscheck's eye into oblivion until there was a referee stoppage. This sort of feels like that, right? Like it sort of starts to feel like Kamara Usman goes into the lab and he pulls out something new. And it could be working with Trevor Whitman that's pulling out some of that new stuff. But that something new arrives every fight is sort of what made me feel go about GSP. And it's starting to feel that way for Usman. The other thing I will say is the rematch and the, the amount of rematches he's had are always going to detract a little bit from me, right? Like, how many rematches did GSP have? You know, he fought Matt Hughes twice because he lost to him once. You know, he he fought some people twice. But it's not like he beat, you know, he didn't beat Tiago Alves and they weren't lining up Tiago Alves too. He didn't beat Dan Hardy and they were lining up Dan Hardy too. He didn't beat, you know, this guy and they were lining up the second one. And it sort of seems like, you know, obviously Usman's last fight was a rematch. Does it feel like his next one's going to be a rematch? And spoiler alert, does it seem like the one after that's maybe going to be a rematch? Well, what, obviously you're referring to the fact that they're probably going to run Colby Covington for the next one. Who do you think the one after is do, going to be, do Leon you think, Edwards? Do you think if Leon Edwards 
Or, so Leon Edwards beats Nate Diaz, certainly that. Or, say Gilbert Burns beats uh, Wonderboy. Could you see Gilbert Burns 2 happening? I, uh, I actually, I can't really. Just because uh, that one was so violent think, on the first go? Yeah, exactly. Like, Colby has pushed Usman the most to the most dangerous wall. I, I think he's so the most deserving I'm, of the rematches. But man, do, I, I just want to see... I want to see Wonder Boy. I want to see, you know, like... Yeah, I like Wonder Boy from a stylistic, yeah. Yeah, I want to see the people I haven't seen. You know, like the Wonder Boys, the Michael Chiesas, even, like, I know I texted this to you ahead of time, but even people like Sean Brady, who probably need two or three more wins, I want those new guys. I want that new style. I want the UFC to sell me on, like, oh, but what's the thing that's going to stuff Usman here? And then we watch Usman, you know, extinguish that fire with almost no problem. That's what would elevate him to GOAT status for me. Not beating Leon Edwards a second time, you know, Vicente Luque a second time, Gilbert Burns a second time, Colby Covington a second time, you know, Masvidal a second time. Like, I'd like to see him beat all of them. You know what I mean? Fucking everybody. Well, I want to pick apart a couple of things you just said and then we'll of course move on but i think this is a fascinating topic and 170 is the weight class that's probably most near and dear to my heart so it's an important topic at the same time too uh let's just go back to this point so yeah the masvidal rematch i was very underwhelmed by it too i didn't think masvidal deserved the rematch one thing i will say though is while it was short notice for masvidal and that became the selling point for the ufc you know dana white joe rogan oh we got to see full camp masvidal well, guess what? We got to see full camp in a way, Usman. Now, I know he had a full camp going into that fight that was supposed to be Gilbert Burns, but he was training for Gilbert Burns. So when I say it's full camp Usman, too, I mean he got a full camp preparing only for Masvidal, and we saw what happened, and it wasn't a surprise. We picked it here on this show. But there is something to be said for the fact that, you know, he had a late opponent switch, too. So he was also at a bit of a disadvantage last summer, all the more impressive that he 50-45'd him. And I want to just bring up the fact that, and we've talked about this before, you know, Masvidal, I like him. Don't get me wrong. He's a fun fighter. He's kind of in that, like, Diaz mold for me where I'll watch him against anyone. But I never fully bought into the idea that Masvidal was going to be champion. Let's go back just a hair here. He had the nice two out of three rounds win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Can't take he, he, anything away from him. No, no, no. Take take that back a second. Go go back to that fight with with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Read that decision one more time. Didn't he take two out of three rounds, or am I misremembering it? I, I believe he lost two out of three rounds with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and lost that fight. UFC two seventeen. Okay. UFC two seventeen. Wonderboy. Uh, I think it was 29-28 or maybe even 30-27, Masvidal. So, okay, that's fine. So we could have the intern look that up right now. And then he beat Hill, and that's fine. But and Hill then, was also at the wrong weight. Yeah, his brain was clearly dehydrated at, at <laughs> welterweight. <laughs> and then the three-second knockout that made him famous over Ben Askren, who, by the way, just lost to Jake Paul in a combat sport. So that I just don't even really count or care. And then Nate Diaz off a three-year layoff, he had high-profile wins at the right time with maybe the greatest highlight in UFC history. But I never thought of Masvidal as champ. Like none of those fights champion. made you feel feel like he was elite. Like right. all those exactly. fights were impressive, but none of them were like, "Oh, this guy can't be beat." Right. And then the last thing I'll say off of what you said, and I agreed with almost everything you said. 
I do think, you know, I said, oh, I want to see him challenge GSP for the nine fight title defense. I don't even necessarily know I need to see him tie that or beat that because I will also say, and you brought up a great point with the Dan Hardys and the Thiago Alvezes and even the Jake Shields, the sport of MMA, as we've said a million times, has evolved so much in the last 20 years since, you know, the Zufa era and the weight classes and the gloves and everything else they did to get legalized back in 50 states or close to 50 states. Um, the sport is evolving fast and the sport has evolved even from the time GSP was fighting in the late, uh, 2000s, early 2010s, the wins that he does have after I just talked shit about Masvidal, to me, you know, Masvidal, a better, more well-rounded fighter than, let's say, Thiago Alves was in 2009, uh, the wins are more impressive to me now, just because the sport has evolved so much, it's better athletes, it's better training, it's better striking. I mean, go look at some of the striking from late 2008, 2009, I challenge any fan, go back on Fight Pass, at most, two-punch combo. That's all you get. You know, and now you're seeing, I mean, first of all, just the influx of people from Muay Thai and kickboxing, and we've seen so many elite strikers, Adesanya coming to mind, Ioana Janjacek coming to mind, Valentina Shemchenko. I mean, we have elite strikers in MMA now. So all these wins to me, just to button this all up, are very impressive. And if Usman even reels off two more and defends his title six times, that would maybe put him in GOAT status for me. Yeah, I, I think, and again, I, I think the method of winning it is so important. But like, I think if he goes out there and and he does what he did to Masvidal to Colby in two rounds, and then you know, like I said, Wonder Boy, maybe even Leon Edwards, depending on what that fight looks like. If they all look that spectacular, two more that look like that one, yeah, I think I'm sold too. Yeah, he's gonna have a higher finishing rate than GSP. Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what else I'm sold on, and that's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. So happy we have fights again this weekend. I hate a weekend that doesn't have fights. So let's get to it. But before we get to it, Gumby, for UFC Vegas 25, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, does any company sponsor this edition? Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jiu-jitsu, it doesn't matter. Log your training sessions, tag your training partners, and do all of the things you love about social media. Only just about training in the palm of your hand. Once again, that's Maroon Social, wherever it is you download apps. All right, so let us start with the main event, as we've been known to do, and it's going to be, and no one hold any mispronunciations against me, Yuri Prochaska, Prochaska, a minus 140 favorite, and Dominic Reyes, a plus 120 dog. Our man Yuri's coming off a big win overhand right to the dome of Vulcan Ozdemir. Before that, he beat C.B. Dalloway and Fabio Maldonado, but that was actually in Risen. Uh, King Mo as well back in Risen. So we know he's an accomplished striker. He has some big wins on his resume. And he's a favorite here um, to Dominic Reyes, a minus 140 favorite. Reyes, a former title challenger uh, in the UFC, coming in at the plus 125 dog. We, of course, saw him lose to Jan. Uh, he needs to get his uh, career back on track after high-profile losses to John Jones and Jan Blankovic coming in as a dog here. Who you got? I'm going to go with Yuri Prohoshka because I'll tell you this. The, the knockout loss to Jan Blankovic looks a lot better now, right, after Jan Blankovic went and did what he did to Israel Adesanya. 
But I will also say I've never been all that high on the boxing of Dominic Reyes, right? Like one of the things that kind of sold us on him, you know, he had a head kick knockout that was all over sports centered that got him into the UFC. And obviously he knocked out Chris Weidman too, but like, uh, you know, a knockout win over Chris Weidman in the year, which he got it, that doesn't really bode all that well, especially because Weidman was coming up to 205 for that too. So you know, like the the elite striking wins he has isn't really there. And I think the problem he had with Jan Blankovic was speed and punching power. And boom, look who they, they booked him with. Somebody with crazy speed and punching power and a willingness to go in there and mix it up. And, you know, I think that that's going to be a big problem for him. You know, people have talked before that Dominic Reyes has actually got some decent wrestling. I think he does too, but I, I actually don't think we're going to see it because he, he forgets to use it sometimes. So... Yeah, I like Yuri Prohoshka here, and you know what? If if I was looking at the betting odds too, I definitely would think a little bit about mixing in the a knockout prop on him as well. All right, I like it. I'm not going to disagree with you. I feel like you're in the, the right place. I like your headspace there, so let's move on. Uh, again, nobody hold pronunciations against me. Giga Chikatse, a minus-185 favorite, to Cub Swanson, a plus-160 dog. Armin Giga, uh, this is a very interesting situation because he lost on Dana White's Contender Series, went back to Gladiator Challenge, an independent MMA organization, reeled off two wins, and found himself back in the UFC. So he made his real UFC debut back in December of 2019, excuse me, September of 2019. And then he was one of those guys that fought a ton of times in 2020. He's 5-0 and in the UFC. Now, that being said, doesn't have a ton of high-profile wins, be Jamie Simmons, Omar Morales, Erwin Rivera, Jamal Emmers, Brandon Davis, now getting a huge name in Cub Swanson. Cub, at one point, back in like 2018, 2019, almost easy to write him off. He was on a four-fight losing streak, lost to Brian Ortega, Frankie Edgar, Hanato Moicano, and Shane Burgos, but then comes back with a huge win over uh, Mega Prospects and someone I'm a huge fanboy of, Crone Gracie, the unanimous decision, and then just knocked out Daniel Pineda back at UFC 256 in December. So now, four-fight losing streak, now on a two-fight win streak, coming in here as a dog, which we know is going to motivate Cub, a plus-160 dog, to this up-and-coming fighter. What an interesting fight. Who you got? I'm going to go with Giga Chikadze on this one, and I think you're right. I think we did write Cub Swanson off a little bit too early, but here's my problem with the dynamic of this fight. Cub Swanson is a guy who you're right. He he lost against the tippity-top of the division. He's since come back and absolutely knocked out two guys. I mean, you can't call Daniel Pineda a prospect at whatever he is, 37, but two guys who are surging in the division. But the two guys who he took care of fairly easily are guys well-known for their grappling, right? Nobody's about to call you know, Cron Gracie, you know, an incredible boxer. Nobody's going to say that. I mean, Daniel Pineda's got some knockout wins, but dude, we watch Daniel Pineda because he can grapple. So Cub Swanson is coming up back-to-back wins over guys who can grapple and guys who want to submit to him. He's going to fight. You know, you mentioned the high-level kickboxers when we were talking about the evolution of the sport earlier on in the show. This is it. Giga Chikadze, a glory kickboxer, an absolute phenomenal kickboxer in his own right. I just think on the feet here, he's too technical for Cub Swanson. He's too quick. He's too crafty. And ultimately, I think that that's going to be a problem. In addition to that, in the last fight, the aggression he brought along with that technicality, to me, is terrifying for a lot of people in this division. I think if you can't grapple Giga Chikadze or aren't going to try to grapple him, and I think Cub probably could, 
but I don't think he's going to try. And I think that's the downfall here. If you try to strike with Giga Chikadze, I think he's a problem for a lot of guys in this division. It's very interesting to me because I think as we were all ready to write Cub Swanson off and he was facing Crone Gracie, who had just come off such an impressive win over Alex Caceres, it was very easy to think this up-and-coming fighter was going to, you know, impose his will in a grappling battle and beat Cub Swanson. And here we have, you know, somewhat of the inverse or the opposite in that we have this high-level striker um, and surging prospect, and, you know, we're ready to write him off. I think the key to victory here is exactly what you said. Cub Swanson needs to play the proverbial, you know, veteran game here. Get him where he's weak, and that would be grappling. And if he can't do that, yeah, you're right. His face is going to be lit up like a a palm tree, which is the tattoo he has on himself. Let's move on. Um, We have Ian Kutaleva, a minus-130 favorite to Dustin Jacoby, a plus-110 dog. So this is a very close fight, somewhat tough to call. Uh, Ian Kutaleva is on a two-fight losing streak after beating Khalil Roundtree via TKO, lost to Magomed Ankilov uh, twice, uh, first via TKO, uh, and there's somewhat, you know, crazy circumstances, and then via KO. Uh, and if you go back even one further, he lost to Glover Teixeira. So Kutaleva, real career crossroads here. He's one in three in his last four. Dustin Jacoby, on the other hand, uh, he is coming off a few wins in a row. He beat Ty Flores in Dana White Contender Series, if you want to consider that his first UFC fight, and then beat Justin Ledette and Maxime Grishin in real UFC fights. So 3-0 and or 2-0, and uh, however you want to count Dana White's Contender Series. As a pro, he's 14-5. and He has losses to King Mo back in Bellator, David Branch back in World Series of Fighting, um, and actually in a former UFC stint, lost to Chris Camozzi and Clifford Starks. So been around a bit, uh, and now coming in here and facing another guy who also is in desperate need of a win. Who you got? Yeah, been around a bit is you know an understatement. He fought David Branch at World Series of Fighting one. That's before it was called PFL in the very first show of the organization. So like. He's been around, and, and you mentioned that first UFC stand. I mean, like, that was, we're talking about a decade ago. That kid was, he, he was 23 years old when you're 22 years old when he made the UFC. So, um, yeah, I think he's definitely evolved a lot since then. And the interesting thing to me here is, again, we're talking about a guy who fought a bunch of fights on, in glory kickboxing and against some of the best kickboxers in the world. And I actually am going to give him the advantage here, and I'm going to pick him over Ian Kudalaba because... While I think Kudalaba could try to grapple him here, we're talking about a guy who's shown that he has pretty good takedown defense against Maxim Grishin and a good ability to get back up if he is taken down. And also, I just think that, like, Kudalaba is a guy, you know, I, I know that Dustin Jacoby has said this in the past, where he he fights with a lot of emotion. You know, like, he, he you know, paints himself green for weigh-ins and yells like the Incredible Hulk. And, like, that's his fighting style, too. He, he comes forward and swings wildly and just tries to mix it up. When you do that against a guy with, like, a sharp kickboxing background, oh, also mentioned that you've been knocked out two times in a row, maybe that's not the best game plan, and maybe that's not the best way that's going to work. And, hey, if you can get dog money on, on uh, you know, a sharp kickboxer to knock out a guy who's been knocked out twice in a row, I, I'm all in on that. So I'm going to take Dustin Jacoby here. Well, you mentioned dog money. I love dog money. <laughs> 
Our official dog of the week, though, is Jonathan Pierce at plus 165 over Gabriel Benitez. Break it down. So I love Jonathan Pierce. Uh, I hate his nickname because uh, for those of you who don't know, he goes by JSP because his middle name starts with S. Uh, and that is just not a great way to uh, to put a lot of pressure on yourself and your fighting ability. Wait, I, I don't even I don't get it. His Explain nickname is his it. nickname is JSP, like just like like GSP, like he's just. Except he's J instead of G, and like he just wants. That's a brutal nickname. <laughs> he wants to be known as like just, just like slight, just slightly different, but in the same way. Yeah, I don't love the nickname. It's not as bad as Corey Anderson's Beast in twenty five eight, but uh, it's pretty bad. So uh, nickname aside, I actually think he's a really great fighter. I love the fact that he's so big for this division. You know, he's like a six one lightweight or something like that, and he's meaty for that weight class too. I think a lot of people wrote him off uh, after that loss to Joe Lozon, and I think that's why he's such a big underdog here. Joe Lozon tagged him on the feet, which, you know, you might be alarmed at Joe Lozon landing a punch on somebody, but he is a UFC newcomer getting Joe Lozon in Boston. Like, that seems like a kind of a cruel move to any newcomer. In the second fight, though, he looked great grappling, and I think there's just an inroads here for Gabriel Benitez, who's had trouble in the past defending takedowns against a guy like Jonathan Pierce, who uses takedowns to his advantage, who's got great grappling, maybe not GSP level, uh, but certainly JSP level might be enough here. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, all right, let's go with our parlay to play. Sean Strickland, a minus 225. Param of Marib a minus 225 as well. Now, two minus 225s, it does get you plus money. It gets you into the plus zone at plus 110. Let's hear it. So, yeah, that's another brutal name, by the way, Mirab Dvalishvili. Uh, and also, if we're going to talk about who Sean Strickland's about to beat, that's Christoph Jocko, uh, which is not a, a real easy one to say either. This this card is loaded with him. Uh, with that being said, I love Sean Strickland in this fight against Christoph Jocko. I like Jocko. He's on a nice little run of his own right. Strickland, just last time out when he fought Brandon Allen, uh, just looked phenomenal with his hands. He's much quicker. He clearly has made large improvements in his striking. And actually, you know, I always thought grappling was kind of his best, you know, avenue to victory and taking people down. I thought he was going to beat Brandon Allen by maybe just like taking him down and controlling him and be the guy on top. And instead, he came out and lit him up with hands, you know, jawed for some of the fight. Really impressed with his striking. And I think it's enough here to get by Jocko fairly easily. Dvalishvili, I mean, like, I can't say enough about this guy. His takedowns are crazy. He's not the best at holding people down, but when you score 30 takedowns in a fight, you tend to win it on the judges' scorecards anyway. Cody Stamen, good at defensive wrestling, good at offensive wrestling, but bottom line is, is that, like, is he going to beat a guy who's also very good at wrestling? I, I tend to just not think so. So I, I like Mira Devalishvili here. Uh, and Sean Strickland, both decent-sized favorites, which is why I like him in a parlay here uh, to get some plus turnaround. Boom. Well, I'll tell you what I like, and it's Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We hope you enjoyed it. Follow along during the fights this weekend on our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We're always live tweeting. We love the fan interaction. Let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty. Uh, Gumby, with that all being said, uh, I would like to know, as this train keeps on moving, uh, where do we go next? And we're going to transition now to my interview with Giga Chikadze as he talks about his place in the rankings. Granted, this was before they boosted him to number 14 in the rankings, so excuse the timeliness of it. And he's talking about where he thinks this will catapult him, what a fight with Cub Swanson should look like, and so much more. So we hope you enjoy. 
Alright, and joining me today is Giga Chikadze, who fights Cub Swanson at UFC Reyes versus Prohashka on May 1st. So, Giga, I wanted to start by talking about this win streak you're on. Five in a row, but of course, coming off your very first finish in the UFC, too, how important was it for you to get that finish, kind of getting that first one off your, your uh, shoulders? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, last a couple of fights before my KO, I've been really pushing for this and been really trying, but it was not happening. And this is uh, kind of kind of baptizing, you know. <laughs> so I, I mean, um, first uh, first my seven wins uh, in uh, MMA, I have all by KO by by first minute, first rounds, all of those seven finishes. And then I got into UFC and all my fights were like the decision, decision. Pretty much, honestly, whatever experience uh, I needed inside the, uh, UFC to be a champion, I already got. I've been on the ground, I've been taken down, I've been fighting in close to the cage on the wall. So I got all those experiences in my fourth fight, uh, in my all, uh, first four fights. And with a very tough opponents, with black belt jiu-jitsu guys, very experienced, undefeated fighters, strong punches, all of the experience I got in this uh, one-hour experience. And then I got this uh, debut stunt guy who I knocked him out. And this is, uh, I believe, it's going to be even easier every single time I will step inside the octagon because... Uh, I got experience. I got my first KO and already know how it feels inside the UFC cage, how to do it, and, you know. And uh, now I feel as better fighters I'm going to be fighting, as more easier going to become. Because I, I feel like the first few fights inside the octagon, it was for me like fighting against myself because I was a little bit kind of uh, doubting myself in the in the ground game for the wrestling and now uh i know that you know my wrestling is working my ground game is working and what else i can do just to knock the people out i i love that mentality now you know you said you had been doubting your wrestling game a little bit before you know this all of this was working and you could tell all of it was working you've also said to me in a couple of interviews before that you feel like no matter who you fight they wind up turning into a wrestler about halfway through the fight or around into the fight. I'm curious, you're fighting Cub Swanson, a guy who's sort of notorious for slugging it out with people, for standing and trading wild shots and getting hit and trading hits. Do you still feel like he is also going to sort of fall into that, that same mode where he'll be a wrestler shortly into the fight? Okay, well, I always think that uh, if I was my opponent, what I would do against me. So... Uh, Cobb is a great fighter. He has a great striking uh, for MMA, you know. But besides this, he's very good in the ground game too. He's black belt, he's a fighter, you know. And so if I would be Cobb Swanson and would fight the Giga Chikaze, I'm definitely taking him down and trying my best to submit him because I have a black belt jiu-jitsu, you know. So well, why then I've been training all those years to get my degree in jiu-jitsu. So... We're fighting in MMA, and uh, probably this is what I would do if I was Cub Swanson. I mean, not Giga, but I mean, if I was Cub. But 
my mentality, like I really like to stand and fight at least one fight. And that's uh, exactly who Cub is, you know, like if he fights me a striking fight, I'm sure this fight's going to be the one of the historical fight. And we're going to go like a couple of rounds till I knock him out, you know, <laughs> and that's going to be the very super, super entertaining fight for the fans. Uh, but I don't know what Cub going to decide. I really believe he's going to try to do a couple of shots, like the takedowns, and try to do striking from takedown, like a feint uh, as a takedown, and then go for striking, and then again wrestling, and then eventually that's what he's hoping to take me down. But I believe this is not going to happen because... People don't understand how hard I'm working for my ground, for how hard I'm working on my wrestling. You know, I have a couple of beautiful throws, which I really want to do for this fight. But, yeah, it is what it is. I believe the same, uh, all my opponents going to have the same plan to take me down because I don't see the point to stand in front of me, you know, from their, their side. I definitely agree with you. Now, I'm curious, too. You, you kind of made noise before in the past, being that you would fight anybody. But also, it seems like that top 15 fight is coming. And, and while Cub Swanson is not in the top 15 right now, he's a guy who's been to the top of the division. He's fought for titles. You know, were you pleased that they finally gave you a guy with a little bit more credibility? I mean, you're coming off of fighting a guy who was making his debut. Did, did it feel nice to hear the name Cub Swanson? So since the beginning of the year, they, the UFC been uh, offering me a couple of fights, and I was only my answer was yes. But these guys were uh, dumping me; they were not taking the fight. Uh, we had then a couple of offers. Uh, uh, let's say Arnold Allen, he didn't take the fight twice, and they asked me Shane Burgos, was Bryce Mitchell, was uh, who was I don't know, a couple of other guys too. Uh, from top 15, and they just didn't take the fight against me. So, I mean, whoever it will be, I would take the fight from top 15, but because everybody was busy and there was only opportunity, like uh, any any famous guy I wanted to fight, and uh, Cubs was his opponent, got pushed to Danny Gay, and uh, Cubs did, needed opponent, and uh, I was honestly very happy to get this offer you know even uh even so i know the cop and he's a great guy and we met a few times and we have a close friend between and stuff this is business you know he had his own time and i really we have a great time for the fans uh and that's that's uh that was my pleasure to step in inside uh and bring my name there you know like she's a He's been a couple of times a uh, title challenger and his last few times when he was fighting, before he got out from the uh, uh, top 15, he was first top four, then top four, top four, and then suddenly his, uh, one of the last, uh, his last lose was uh, when he was top 10. And then he won top two, uh, he won top uh, two fights in a row after his losing when he was top 10. So I feel like he definitely is like a top 15 he should be. Uh, but uh, it doesn't matter. His name is more than one of the top 15 guys today. You know, like There are some guys 
if I tell you the name, you might not even know this, those guys. You know, like some of the names they gave me before, I was like, huh? Like, who? I don't know who? <laughs> Schwarzenegger or what? <laughs> you know, like, uh, I was really, didn't know about many guys in top 15, but Cobb, definitely, I know him for a long time, and fans know him for a long time. This, that's what I was missing, you know, like the to fight somebody that people know. Because even today I have five fights in a row in UFC, five win, and not many MMA fans know me, and this is really bothers me a lot, you know. So when I put a great show with the Cub, people are gonna know me more. And um, in the future, I mean, whoever they give me, I would be happy to fight. Well, I, I definitely think you're right. This this win would put you certainly up in there, if not in the top 15, an undeniable chance at a top 15 opponent. Now I gotta no, have... no, no, no. I definitely think this fight is going to put me in the top 15 or top 10. It depends how I'm going to finish the fight. I believe so. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing myself in the top 10 after this fight. Well, I, I certainly think it's well-deserved and probably overdue as far as we're being honest, but... Now, I'm going to ask you, because you said right there that, you know, depends on how you finish the fight. It depends on how you go out there, how people will see how big of a deal it is. Cub Swanson's a guy who hasn't been knocked out since Jose Aldo knocked him out in WEC. So before he even got to the UFC, he hasn't been knocked out since then. Do you expect to be able to be, A, the guy who can do it, and devastating enough that people think undeniably you are a top 10 guy? Yeah, I definitely think that uh, I'm going to finish this fight and there's going to be my ticket in the top 10. All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Giga Chikati who fights Cub Swanson at UFC Reyes versus Prohashka on May 1st. Giga, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan, very much. Uh, real quick, I want to give a shout-out to my sponsors. Altarabet, Petrocas Energy Group, Saigon Sports Club. And uh, models company, they've been supporting me for a couple of years, and uh, I really appreciate their support. It's be, it would be very hard without them to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, of course, you guys can check out Giga on Instagram and Twitter to check out some of the stuff from those sponsors as well. Giga, again, thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Dan. Take care, my brother. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do with our sponsors, Maroon Social and Better Than Vegas, and also the mothership, CagesidePress.com. We also want to thank you guys for following us on Twitter. And if you're not following us on Twitter, why not? At Top Turtle MMA. You can find us there and on Instagram, same handle, at Top Turtle MMA. Until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, he's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we will catch you then.